Thank you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. Seeds sown in good soil are the ones that bear fruit. Even if it seems unlikely because circumstances are not in their favor. You know, if I could choose to be one specific plant, I'd want to be a cactus. Because, well, life sometimes feels like a desert, doesn't it? Occasionally, we live through some of the hottest days and some of the coldest nights. These intense conditions we've christened as thorns in our flesh that choke the praise out of our throats, replaced instead with voices plagued with worry, leaving no room for the word of God because we have filled our attention with riches and pleasures to numb the pain. They say with age comes experience. With experience comes wisdom. And with wisdom, we realize that many of the things we've been chasing are actually futures merely filled with mirages. And if I'm not careful, I could wither away as I put my hope in a vanishing oasis. Dreams trampled and devoured along the way, but oh, what a true promise we have that even when everything else fades away, the word of our Lord endures forever. Life sometimes feels like a desert, but in the desert, it's the cactus that survives. And in our lives, it's those who deeply internalize the word of God that can better navigate the deserts that we experience. So, like this unlikely organism, give me deep roots so that I can better search for and draw from the word of God. Even if years pass before rain graces the earth, the cactus reminds me that man does not live by water and bread alone, but by the word that I have stored up in my heart. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the word that you have given us, Lord. That even in hard circumstances, we can constantly go to it to offer us joy, to offer us hope and peace. I thank you that it sanctifies us and points us to Jesus and continues to shape us and make us more like Christ. I thank you that you sent the living word to die for our sins, our true salvation. 
And as we open your word now, Lord, I pray that you will prepare our hearts to deeply internalize and resonate with what is being preached. I pray that your Holy Spirit will rest upon Pastor Marv and that his words will be your word, God. And I pray that you will be glorified in all that is said, all that is done, and all that is saying. We praise you, Lord, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, Jermaine, can you bring that a little closer uh, for me? So we are going to be looking at Luke 8. That's good right there. Luke 8, uh, 4 to 21. And I'm calling the message today, Are You Listening? Are You Listening? I'm going to try to adjust this. Are You Listening? Now, some of you guys know my wife, Kim, and here's something that Kim knows because she lives in a house with four boys. She knows you got to pray for Kim because she's outnumbered. We tell her all the time. But she knows that there is a difference between hearing and listening. She'll be in the kitchen sometimes and she'll say, boys, it's time to come for dinner. And the boys will say, yeah, what do you think happens? Nobody moves. They heard, but they didn't listen. Sometimes she'll say to me, Marv, I'm going upstairs. Can you empty the dishwasher and take out the garbage? And I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. But the game's on. I heard, and she comes down. She's like, did you do that? I'm like, oh, no, I, I forgot. She's like, did you hear me? We hear and we don't listen. Tony Liebert, I, Tony you guys might not know him. Some of you guys know him, but he was in the hospital not too long ago, and so I'm talking to him on the phone. I called him trying to encourage him, and if you've ever talked to Tony, it turns around where he's actually counseling you, no matter what the situation is. And so we're on the phone. I'm sitting in my backyard, and I realize, well, I called him to encourage him, but I better go get a notepad and start taking some notes because he's ministering to me on the phone. And he said this, I wrote it down, and I figured maybe I'll be able to use it one day, and then we got to this passage. And he said, you know, the way you know you've truly listened is when you hear information, you take it and analyze it, ponder it, come to an understanding of it, then you move into action and apply it to your life. There's the, here's the key. He said, you have, haven't really listened until you begin to act. If you don't do anything, you haven't listened. And Jesus agrees. Look at verse 4. It says, a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from every town. So people are, Jesus' popularity is growing. He's been ministering, saving people, healing people, working miracles. And so people are hearing about him and they're coming. So Jesus is like, all right, you're coming. I'm going to teach you. It says, and he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And he sowed some, as he sowed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the sky devoured it. Other seeds fell on the rock. When it grew up, it withered away since it lacked moisture. Other seed fell among thorns. The, the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Still, other seed fell on good ground. When it grew up, it produced fruit. 
a hundred times what was sown. And then he says, and he said, as he said this, he called out, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. Now you hear that and you might be thinking, who doesn't have ears? But what the saying actually highlights is that you can hear something and not act. You can hear and not listen. And Jesus wants us to be people, hear me on this, who listen to the word, who listen and live the word. Here's our takeaway from the message today. Listening to the word means we're living the word. Listening to the word means we are living the word. And we're not just listening to some parts of it. See, listening to the Bible and living the Bible is not like eating at a buffet where you pick and choose what you want. Listening to the Bible is like eating at my grandma's house where you eat what she puts on the table. There's no arguing. What you got is what you got. And you're going to eat the whole thing if you want to keep living here. She said that all the time. You, we listen to all. And so here's my aim in the message. I want to show us that listening to the word is not easy, but we can overcome. It's hard. We're going to see because we have a real enemy. Listening to the word begin, brings spiritual and practical benefits. And then this last one, listening to the word reveals an important spiritual reality. So we want to pay Attention. And in this message, we're going to answer three questions. Here are the three questions I'm going to give them to you early. What should we remember as we listen to the word? That's question one. Question two is going to be, why should we listen to the word? And question three is, what do we learn about people who listen to the word? So we're going to walk through and we're going to try to answer these questions. Look at verse nine. It says, then his disciples asked him. So his disciples hear the parable and they're like, explain it to us. Say, what does it mean? So he said, the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given for you to know, but to the rest it is in a parable so that looking they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And so in this response that Jesus gives, you realize that parables have two functions. They reveal and they conceal. They reveal things to people who are like surrendered to Jesus and they conceal things from people who reject Jesus. So what you, what you realize here is parables are actually a form of judgment. It's a judgment on the person who rejects Jesus. And so what's going on right here, if the unbeliever is listening, is that this is actually a warning Jesus is giving. Because he's saying, if you reject me, you will miss out on the things that I actually have to offer. And the rest of his response gives us the answer to our first question. Why should, what, what should we remember as we listen to the word? We should remember that we're in a spiritual battle that we can win. We're in a battle that we can win. We're in a battle on three fronts. First, we battle a spiritual enemy. Look at verse 11. He said, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is sown, seed, the, sorry, the seed is the word of God. The seed along the path are those who have heard, and then, here it is, the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. Why? So that they may not believe and be saved. When the word of God is sown, there is a spiritual battle that breaks out. And what does this text tell you? That Satan is not sitting around laying on a hammock, wearing a bucket hat, drinking lemonade. He is actually working. Actively sowing seeds of doubt 
in order to keep people from the kingdom of God. And a lot of us get this. A lot of us understand this. That's why when we're, when we're sowing the seed of the word, we, we, we pray. We lift our voices and we ask God to, to, to cause the people who we're witnessing to, to come to faith, to open their eyes. Because we're aware that there's an enemy at work. You know, some of you who are actively praying know that prayer is a great weapon in spiritual battle. You, you got to realize, like, we are in spiritual warfare. That's a real reality. And as we keep going through Luke, you're going to see that the demonic world is a real one, but that Jesus has full power over it. And so the person who chooses to pray, they say, yes, we believe Satan is strong. Yes, we know that he's working. Yes, we know he does certain things. But I am praying because I believe God is stronger. And so I lift my voice and ask, the God, ask God to work. Here's this next one. We battle the flesh. Look at verse 13, and the seed on the rock are those who, when they hear and receive the word with joy, having no root, these believe for a while and fall away in a time of testing. What's this trying to tell you? It's trying to tell you that all is not right with the world. Just look at the news. Just look at some of the things going on overseas that we're seeing. Countries being overrun. People trying to flee for their life. All is not right with the world. Tough times come like flyers in the mail. Don't you sometimes show up and you're like, why are they sending me that? Tough times come. And when they come, what they do is that they, they test the faith of people. They test our faith. And when you hear this verse, it... It might sound like the person has lost their salvation, right? It says that they believe for a while, and then they fall away. Sounds like they were in. Sounds like they, they were in, and then they lost their salvation. But that's not actually true. You cannot lose your salvation. When you have it, you have it. When Jesus has you, he has you. You can't lose your salvation. That's not what this text is teaching. And you're sitting there and you're like, prove it to me. I'm like, all right. You want me to prove it to you? Say, prove it to me, Mark. Okay, fine. It's in the text. Look, having, it says, no root. Having no root. That's the key. They didn't truly believe. It wasn't true faith. Maybe it was just a little bit of hype. Maybe it was just a moment. It was emotional and they stepped in, but it was not deep-rooted. It was not true faith. When you are saved, you remain saved. Let me show you what Jesus says himself. John 6, verse 4. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him, faith, will have eternal life. And what? And I will raise him up on the last day. You are going to make it home. John 10, my sheep hear my voice. There's the hearing. I know them and they follow me. There's the doing. I'm not making stuff up. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Why? No one will snatch them out of my hand. I told you when Jesus has you, he has you. You cannot lose your salvation, eternal life 
is coming. We battle the, then the next one is we battle life's distractions. We battle life's distractions. Verse 14, as for the seed that fell among thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, go on their way and are choked with what? With worries, riches, and pleasures of life and produce no mature fruit. When we give in to these distractions, it makes it very hard for us to hear what God has said on these things. Money, worrying, pleasure. We forget what God said. It, the, when we give in, it chokes the word out. And because I don't want us to forget, I want to remind us. Here's what God said about worry. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about the body, what you will wear. Your father knows that you need them. So what should you do? If you shouldn't worry, what should be the alternative? What should be the action? But seek his kingdom. Pursue God. Focus on God. Trust that God's going to take care of the needs that are there. Trust that even if the worst thing comes, God's going to hold you right to the end. But seek first his kingdom. Where'd it go? There it is. And these things will be provided for you. They're all gone. I got it up here. Here's what he says about money, 1 Timothy 6. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Money, when we make it our primary thing, when we obsess, it draws us away. Pleasure. Ecclesiastes 2 says, I said to myself, go ahead. This is Solomon talking. I will test you with pleasure. And he says, I gathered, and he lists all these things that he gathers, and he says, I gathered many concubines, the delights of men, all that my eyes desired. I did not deny them. I did not refuse myself any pleasure, he says. Every possible pleasure. Don't worry, just focus on me. Anthony's just trying to figure it out. If he doesn't, we're good. He says, I did not deny myself any pleasure. When I considered all that I had accomplished, I found everything to be futile, a pursuit of the wind. He says, I went after it all. I had it all. The richest man in the world, when you look at Scripture, the, the wisest man. And sometimes you're like, if this is the wisest guy, when you read his life, you're like, he, he's not that sensible. It's like, I had everything. And at the end, it was futile. I was not satisfied. See, it's not wrong. You got to hear me on this, to worry about your needs. I'm not saying don't do that. And think about your needs, not worry, think. That's the right word. Thank you for catching me, Jermaine. I saw it in the eyes, my brother. It's not wrong to think about our needs. It's not wrong to work to earn money, right? We don't believe in laziness around here. That's not wrong. And it's not wrong to desire pleasure. The danger is when those things overtake your life and it drifts into the realm of what the Bible would call idolatry, then you're in danger. And then you know what starts to happen? You have no peace. What does worry do? It just robs you of peace. It robs you of the joy of the moment. No peace. When you drift into the realm of idolatry, then you, you refuse to rest 
It's just work, 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 work. I'm just trying to gain as much as I can, gain as much as I can. And then there's this next one. You become enslaved to sin. So there's no freedom. That's why the Lord speaks to us and tells us these things. I want you to know that the road to fruitfulness is full of obstacles. But I'm the kind of preacher that likes to give people hope and help set you up for success, for the grind that life can be, the week that is ahead. Yes, there is obstacles, but the obstacles can be overcome. And all God's people said, I know it's hot, but talk to me. I'm sweating too. The obstacles can be overcome. And you know how you do it? It's a matter of the soil of the heart. That, this, is what, this is called the parable of the soils. The, the, the soil of the heart, the right heart, fruit can be produced. Look at verse 15. It says, but the seed in the good ground, these are the ones who having heard, having heard the word with a honest and good heart, hold on to it and by enduring produce fruit. There's some keys in there. Honest and good heart. This speaks of a person who believes God. They believe the word. They trust God's promises. The tests and the storms of life show up. Distractions roll up on the doorstep. Satan does what he does by throwing his arrows. And you know what the person does when all of that is coming on them? They hold on to the word, it says. They believe the word, it says. And by what? Enduring. A one translation says they persevere. They walk through it. And they produce fruit that leads to maturity. Now, you might be sitting there and you're wondering, you should wonder, because a good question to ask right now is, what's the fruit? Right? We want to be good Bereans. We want to look at the text. We want to, when we're reading, we want to ask questions. What, what, is the, what is the fruit, Marv? What's the fruit? Well, Galatians 5 gives us the answer. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. The person who sits surrendered and follows the Spirit of God, who keeps in step with the Spirit, that is the fruit that gets produced in their life when we listen to the Word and obey the Word. And what you have in Galatians 5, when you see this description of the fruit, is you see a life that is a, it's a beautiful life. And that is the result that come to us when we surrender and walk with the Lord, trusting him. Verse 16 says, no one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a basket or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see its light. Now you're kind of like, this sort of feels like it just kind of comes out of nowhere. But what Jesus is doing here is that he's actually describing the word as a light. It says, for nothing is concealed that 
won't be revealed, and nothing is hidden that won't be made known and brought to light. He uses the, this imagery here to describe the Bible for us, and what you get is the reality that the, the Bible is a, is a light. Why? Because it, it, it exposes our sin. Shows us who we are. The Bible also explains the world. You want to understand the, the brokenness, all that you see going on around. The scriptures give us a full description of why that is. And the Bible also opens our eyes so that we can see the true light. John 8 says, Jesus spoke to them again. He says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It shows us who the true light is. And what, you're, what you need to see here is I'm trying to show you the value of Scripture, the value of the Word of God. It brings us to the light, Jesus Christ, who helps us to walk out of darkness and doubt and walk into light and life. And I've already said, that's guaranteed for us. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 18 says, therefore, take care how you listen. There's that call again. Be a doer of the word. The person who listens and acts. Jesus says, be warned, take care then. For whoever has more will be given to him. And whoever does not have even what he thinks he has will be taken away from him. Here's question Number two, why should we listen to the word? Because it's a gift that keeps on giving. The person who ignores the word, the scriptures teach us, will end up with nothing. But the person who studies, reads, gets under the word, ends up with more. When I was playing football, my running back coach used to always talk about in-season lifting. See, what would happen is the summer would come, and you would go away, and then you'd have to come back at your playing weight. And my playing weight was 225 pounds. And it actually kept you safe. I don't know if you've ever seen a football game, but it's basically a car accident for four hours. And you'd, you'd come, come back, and coach would say, you got you to get in the weight room. You got to lift. You got to get the bars up. Why? Because as you were lifting, you maintained the muscle. Or you built more muscle, and that would actually protect you from injury, from, from wearing down as the season goes on. If you put in the work, you got stronger. But if you didn't put in the work, you got weaker. Here's why I'm giving you that illustration. When it comes to the Word of God, we've got to be people who do some in-season lifting. Because if we do, we will benefit, we will grow. And if, but if we ignore the word, we're setting ourselves up for failure. We're putting ourselves in a spot where it's going to be easy to get injured. You lose what you have. But if we give ourselves to the word, we benefit. Let me show you. You're like, show me. Okay, I'll show you. When we read and study the word, we're deepening our understanding of God. Our theology grows deeper. Our understanding of our Father goes wider, deep. We are decreasing the need to rely on others to understand it. We're being Bereans. 
don't know if you ever read in Acts, but it says when the preacher got up, what did the Bereans do? They went home and they checked the text. Right? Some of us, sometimes there's people who we're listening to, and my word to you today is check the text. Because what is being said isn't in the text. I could name names, but I won't. Talk to me after if you want. Because I'm about protecting the flock. They went home and it says, and they checked to see if the, the scripture was so. Is that what God has actually said? I know the word for myself, and so I'm not just dependent on a voice. I can go to the voice of my father. We should appreciate those who, who preach the word. Now it sounds like I'm a little bit self-serving up here, but I'm just trying to balance this. But we need to be people who are in the word for ourselves. This next one, we're doing the work of strengthening our faith. That's why we get into it. Now here's the thing about in-season lifting. You had to prioritize it. One thing I can tell you about living on a college campus was there was all kinds, and I wasn't a Christian, there's all kinds of things to take your attention away. There's all kinds of distractions that pull you away from the thing that you are to be doing. And so we had to prioritize that getting in the weight room. Now, I'm not going to tell you how and when to read and study the word. Here's why I'm not going to do that. I don't know all the details of your life. I don't know every single thing that you have got to do. And so please hear me on this. I am not trying to guilt you into like going home and, and sort of, you know, going to work. You know your life. You know the spots the, the, that it needs to fill in. You know the demands that are on you. So you just let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you as to how it actually looks to apply it. But here's what I will tell you. We have to prioritize it. That's the principle. How you do it is up to you. That's your business. But we have to prioritize it and do it. Hear and do. Verse 19 says, then his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not meet him because of the crowd. Again, Jesus' popularity is growing. He, he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside waiting to see you. So he hears this, but watch what he says. So important. But he replied to them, my mother and my brother are those who hear and do the word of God. Now, Jesus isn't disrespecting his family here. What Jesus is trying to do is show us the difference between earthly family and spiritual family. And his response gives us the answer to our third question. What do we learn about people who listen to the word? That we're part of God's family. Here's a text that shows us the right way to think about the word. Sorry, the right way to think about the church. That we are a family. That God expects us to look out for each other. I talk about this a lot because it's important to me. I want us to be a church where we are actually down for one another. We look out for each other. Somebody gets into a tough spot, we are there. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's a beyond Sunday thing. And that takes work. It takes effort. It takes actually staying around a little bit, introducing yourself to one another, talking to each other, and then going out of your way throughout the week to check in. We should listen to each other. We are to learn from one another. There's all kinds of different cultures in our church. Not everybody's here right now, but trust me. And it's the kind of church I wanted to be a part of. 
where we learn from one another the different ways because of our cultures we see and experience the, the word and experience God. We grow from that. And then we are to love each other. I don't know where Sanjay is, but you can go up if you want, Sanjay. And this pleases God. See, God wants us to be doers and not hearers only. See, when we hear and we don't listen, when we hear the word and we don't put it into practice, we hurt ourselves, there's consequences to disobedience. When we hear and we don't do, we hurt ourselves, we hurt the people in our life, the the family and friends who love us and trust us, we hurt the church. Remember, we are not an island. And here's the, here's the biggest one. We grieve the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Spirit of God. That's why we need to be people who continue to listen to the Word. Because God uses it to protect us. God uses it to train us. God uses it to correct us. Sometimes we're going in the wrong direction and we need a good word from our Father. He uses it to help us. That's why Jackie Hill Perry in a poem said, his love, his law is steadfast love written down. The word of God is his love letter to us, so to speak. This this thing that means, this means of helping us. She says, it is a gift. And I want to ask you, do you see the word that way? When it's sitting in your your house, do you look over and you're like, that is a gift from God for me to help me because he loves me. Because he cares for me. His word, a guide. See, we can say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fare no evil because you are with me. God is with us and we hear God most clearly when our, when our head and our heart and our minds are in the word and we look and we say, I'm going to follow what God says. I'm going to do what he says in the word. I'm going to get in the word because it's a gift. He loves me. This is his means of guiding me and protecting me and I'm going to do what God says. And I'm saying this to myself just the same. I had many moments this week where I looked and I was like, I don't do what God says too many times. And what's going on in those moments is I don't believe God knows best. I start believing the lie that I am a better judge of what to do with my life than him. And it only gets me into trouble. And I bet it's the same in your life. And so our sister tells us the right way to see and think about what our father has said to us. And to listen. And to follow and to build our life on the Word because it is a firm foundation, a gift and a guide. Stand with me as I pray. Your Word, Lord God, is a lamp to our feet and a light. Yes, Father, to our path. Help us, we pray. Help us, we pray, to be a people who who don't just hear, but we are hearers and doers because we believe, Father, that you know best. Help us to 
know and believe that when we crack the word, that when we put in the work, that we grow, we mature, that you use it to sanctify us. You use it to give us wisdom for life in a very dark place. Father, the world is dark, but we have the light of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your son who holds us in his hand, who guarantees us eternal life as we continue to trust, as we hold on and endure. I pray, Father, for the person who is in a moment of testing. Would they believe your word? Would they believe your promises? Please, God, would they pray for themselves right now, asking, Lord, help me to believe, help me to trust, help me to hold on. God, I pray for those who are in the word, who it's a regular habit for them. I pray against pride and self-righteousness right now that there would be no belief that it's just their own effort, but there would be a gratitude to you, Father, for moving their hearts by your spirit to help to make them open the word and be in it. And I pray you would continue to empower them to do that, trusting that only good will come from spending time in it. And I pray, Father, for those who have been ignoring the word. I pray that your spirit would lead them in whatever way you want to prioritize it. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ who gave this parable, who knew that in this moment, that whatever is going on in our life, that we would need this word. Help us to walk in it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.